Welcome to the Business of Discovery, a clinical research podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. My name is Alan Gore, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm joined today by Jason Wakelet-Smith, who is a lead senior GCP and GLP inspector with the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency. Jason originally trained as a biomedical scientist and then worked within the NHS in hospital pharmacy as a pharmacy technician for seven years. He undertook a variety of roles during this time, culminating in leading the pharmacy clinical trials team at a leading London teaching hospital and assisting in the development of an electronic solution for the management of pharmacy clinical trial activities. Jason joined the MHRA's inspectorate 11 years ago in the GCP team and cross-trained within it to undertake good laboratory practice inspections. He became a senior inspector in 2015 and a leading senior inspector in 2017. Jason, thank you very much for speaking with us today. You're welcome. Now, the MHRA plays a very important, pivotal role in the governance of clinical research in the UK. And everyone involved, especially in studies involving investigational medicinal products, should be aware of that role. So today I would very much like to focus on one aspect of the MHRA's work in relation to that, the GCP inspection. So can I begin by asking you about that? Can you tell us a little bit about your own role in that process? Sure. So I belong to a team of experienced clinical research and quality assurance professionals. Um, We've all held positions in either the management or oversight of clinical trials in the past. And either that or we've worked in a similarly regulated environment. Within the team, we've had various staff who've previously worked in non-commercials. So I've worked in um, pharmacy. I have colleagues who've worked in research and development and other inspectors who've come from a commercial background, such as statistics or previously been a monitor, a project manager, that kind of idea. The other advantage that most of us have is that we've often sat the other side of the table to the inspector, and that's really helpful as, as we go through an inspection. The GC team, uh, GCP team itself belongs to a broader inspectorate, uh, which includes colleagues who undertake um, uh, other types of inspections, so uh, manufacturing facilities, uh, distribution of medicinal products, um, wholesaling, pharmacovigilance, um, inspections of labs, whether that be for preclinical safety testing or for the analysis of clinical trial samples. Um, also within the division that we sit within, we have our enforcement colleagues and also the colleagues who support us when we come up with adverse inspection findings, um, the inspection action group. Um, and then sort of slightly broader than that, within the agency itself, we have our product licensing assessment teams and the clinical trial unit, which helps support us as and when we need input. It's not uncommon for us to bring um, other people along on our inspections, so there's always the possibility you'll bump into staff from the agency on our inspections. Uh, We very much see that as an opportunity to bring them along to show them the work of the GCP inspectors, and sometimes we require them for our technical input. So in terms of governance of clinical trials, there's a requirement in the legislation, so the statutory instruments which exist within the UK, supported by the Clinical Trials Directive and the various other bits of EU legislation, to conduct inspections to control compliance with GCP. Um, So in order to to do that, what we're looking for is how data and records have been generated, recorded and reported in order to justify how um, um, people are involved in clinical trials. So are we happy that people are safe and looked after when they take part in clinical trials? Um, in terms of the 
sort of arena. Um, we do inspections of commercial organisations and also non-commercial organisations. So we do NHS trusts, we do universities, we do charities, um, and then we also have sort of pharma companies, contract research organisations, that kind of thing. The inspections we do often happen in third countries, so not just in the UK. Um, and so I spend probably about a third of my time mm -hmm. inspecting outside of uh, the UK. I think people might find that surprising, don't you? I mean, I think we often think of just working within the UK, so that's very interesting to hear that you... Yeah, you sure. So a, a lot of data is, is provided into either into the uh, MHRA for a national application, also into the European Medicines Agency. And so we undertake inspections of that kind of um, data as it comes in to make sure we're happy with what that looks like. Obviously, we have a reasonable level of control in terms of what happens in the UK. But when data is coming from outside of the UK, how can we be assured that it, it complies with similar standards? So you've described doing inspections both in the commercial and non-commercial mm -hmm. sites, and I, I recognise there are a very large number of these going on with uh, CTIMPS. How, how does the MHRA allocate its resources? In other words, how do, you, how do you decide who to inspect? Sure, so if you take the Good Clinical Practice universe, um, which is made up of all these universities, trusts, pharma companies, contract research organisations, laboratories, etc., etc. Um, you have a really, really broad um, pool um, of organisations which can potentially be inspected. Across the board, our inspection programme is risk-based. So um, in order to turn all that huge universe into something inspectable, um, it's really necessary for us to identify who's doing what, how much they're doing, what that looks like, and to sit risk firmly in the middle of it. So it's a complex process that we follow, but risk sits very firmly at the centre of that. So we have a really good idea of what trials are being conducted in the UK. So um, in order to run a clinical trial in the UK, you have to apply for an approval um, from the clinical trial unit at the MHRA. And so from that, we can pull down information as to who's sponsoring the trial. A little bit harder is the organisations who are supporting um, so perhaps an organisation providing statistical support or a clinical trial unit or something like that, um, particularly if they're not named within the application. So we know at the beginning it's often a bit of a work in progress when you apply for your approval and later on you might add extra people to support the trial as you go through. Mm -hmm. But we routinely collate um, various bits of intelligence of this type and we feed it into our inspection programme for consideration. The biggest driver we have really is the amount of work which people do um, and also how they did at their last inspection. Mm -hmm. um, and so we feed that in, and then the next biggest risk in some respects is that of the unknown. So organisations who we haven't I've been to before, we haven't heard of before. Um, so what are they capable of? How much are they doing? What are they doing? Um, is what they're doing compliant? Do they understand what the regulations look like? Mm -hmm. So it's probably worth talking at this point about the different types of inspections we do. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll just run through those. The, the, the main inspection type, we do are risk-based systems inspections. Um, these are sort of a surveillance activity in reality. Um, these are scheduled based on the organisation's previous inspection history and the amount of work they do. Um, and so off the back of that, we turn up, we go and have a look at what they do using a number of selected trials as sort of the basis for the inspection to demonstrate that the systems and processes they have are compliant. Um, in reality, um, 
the fact that organisations have been selected for inspection doesn't necessarily mean that they've done anything wrong. Um, like I said, it's a surveillance activity, mm-hmm. but it certainly gets the nerves jumping the minute the um, notification drops through the door. Indeed. Sometimes we'll follow particular systems. Um, so particularly, sort of commonly, your first inspection is, is um, what we would term the basics. Do you understand how to get an approval? What do you understand about pharmacovigilance? What do you understand about drug safety? That kind of idea. And we move on. So it's quite common to pick particular aspects, um, particularly later on downstream, to pick up things like data management, statistics, pharmacovigilance in much greater detail. Or sometimes we'll just pick trials, particularly if they've been inspected quite a lot over the years, just pick trials dig into them and see what comes out of them and then follow the problems as we go through um, or follow the systems that those particular trials have used. Um, Sometimes we have standalone inspection types, so again still within that routine systems approach. Um, And these are sort of organisations which don't really fit or too specialised to do as part of a bigger inspection. So your classic examples for this are the Phase 1 accreditation scheme, clinical trial units or laboratories involved in generating data for clinical trials. We also do inspections of technology providers. Um, So we've started doing this over the last couple of years um, to look at organisations who provide sort of technical solutions for things like interactive response systems, uh, data management, database providers, this kind of idea. And these have a bit of a different focus because the focus is really about the development and maintenance of the product as the trial evolves. So you'll often have a core product and then you'll have the maintenance of that product as the trial evolves through amendments and that kind of thing. The supporting infrastructure which exists within that organisation and also the organisation's awareness of the regulated environment they work within. So obviously there are some things, particularly things like serious breaches and control of blinding, uh, that kind of idea, which are key to running um, appropriate systems. Next up would be requested inspections. Um, This is where an assessor, whether it be a national um, assessment or whether it be an EMA assessment, has asked for us to go and look at something in support for marketing authorisation. Um, this can be conducted at a national level. Um, so can we go look at something in particular which MHRA is interested in or something which is part of a bigger team of inspectors where it's been discussed at EMA and we've decided we'll send people in support of going to look at something bigger or something elsewhere. So we often work with our European Medicines Agency's colleagues and then the inspectors from the other member states. Um, these are often a bit of a deeper dive into what we do or into what the organisation's done. Um, really, there's tends to be a, a specific questions which we're looking to answer, normally run off the back of the application itself. So do particular things exist? Did it happen in that way? Was the data captured and generated like that? What do those kind of things look like? And normally while we're at it, we try and build in um, a little bit of the systems um, while we're there just to go and have a look Um, because that may help us again in the future to um, back back some of the requests for inspection if we say, well, we looked at that last time, not the trial you're interested in, but we've had a look at that process. And finally, the one which everyone worries about is triggered inspections, you know, very much the inspector calls. Um, These are normally four calls, but for all sorts of different reasons. So it could be um, something which has come through the serious breach route, although it's worth saying that the vast majority of serious breaches don't cause um, inspections. It could be um, significant protocol non-compliance which has come through. It could be a patient safety issue. Um, whether that's you know, a significant problem for a single patient or whether that's a large group of patients and how something's been handled. And these normally have really specific questions. 
Um, and we're looking at a very focused inspection really to answer that and see what the outcome of that is. Um, they don't really follow a normal inspection type much as they have a report and a notification, that kind of thing. They're very much handled on a case-by-case basis, so there's not really one-size-fits-all for those. Um, you've described a number of different kinds of, of um, inspections, inspection formats. Um, I wonder if you could just very briefly, if it's possible to answer this question, tell me what, what really is an inspector looking for when they come to visit? They're looking for compliance in reality, so we're looking for compliance with the legislation. Um, we're looking for good, high-quality data, and we're looking to make sure that the rights and safety of the patients have, have been looked after as well. Um, there are many different routes to following that through, depending on what the outcomes of the trial are and the conduct of the trial. So again, one size doesn't fit me, but that's really what I'm after. If I may, I would like to finish just by saying that some of the groups who receive a notification that they've sure. been inspected are really quite frightened of mm-hmm. the process. Yep. Um, they're, they're frightened of being inspected, they're frightened of, of the inspectors. What would you say to them? In some respects, there's nothing really to, to be afraid of. Ultimately, we all want the same thing. We want to see high quality, innovative, safe and ethical research being conducted in the UK. I'm proud to see research being conducted in the UK, and there's lots of fantastic research out there. And we, it gives us a real good feeling that it's being done right. Our role as inspectors is to take that independent look at what people do and to make sure they're compliant. Um, We often receive feedback from people saying that it's been a hard inspection and the run-up to the inspection has been hard. But the feedback is often that it's contributed significantly into the understanding of their systems and also understanding what they do and how they do it, um, leading to better, more real-life systems than is often the case when you first turn up, um, when you look at that. It's really an opportunity to get better, isn't it? And and you don't have to be bad to get better. You don't have to be bad to get better. Uh, The best outcome for me is to see... um, um, no findings, plenty of evidence to support what people do um, and to see people who are happy and capable of talking about what they do and how they do it. The worst thing for me is to see people who have been very much in inverted commas inspection managed only answer the question, don't volunteer anything, um, don't take anything into the room, all of that. I know that's part of the preparation for an inspection but it doesn't always reflect well on people. It certainly doesn't give them their chance to shine. It's really been very helpful. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for speaking with us today. You're more than welcome. You've been listening to The Business of Discovery, a podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. I hope you'll join us again next time.